Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Tristan here along with Jacob and Jacob's going to go ahead and tell you guys what we're going to get into today. Yeah, so into the NFL, it is the, we're going to be talking about the last week of football coming up, talk about how the playoffs are working out, um, how our teams are doing in terms of the playoff standings going into hockey. Both of our teams are have actually been playing pretty well as of recently. And then finally, a few anecdotes about baseball. The Phillies have picked up a few more players, so let's get, get right into it. Yeah, so to start out, uh, well, first off, I think the first thing we need to start out talking about just to address it, obviously now it's been a week, so there's been a lot of news that has come out since then. So it's not as you know hard-hitting as it was, but obviously... Uh, we all have and still have DeMar Hamlin's family and him in our prayers and thoughts as the collapsing of him on the field on Monday night. And, uh, you know, that just as a whole, you know, I think the entire country, the all the sports communities, everything, everyone just kind of went into shock and all united behind him. So that was really cool to see everyone unite behind him and show that it's a little bit more than just a game. And how uh, we need to, you know, just it's more than football, you know, sometimes. And you got to you got to show that because, I mean, you saw with the people's faces, especially on the bills, how hard it is to see a, basically a brother go down. Uh, so yeah. it, it's really hard. You saw even the Bengals come over and supporting them. So but luckily now he's off life support. He's now fully functional by himself, just trying to heal up a little bit more. He's breathing on his own, talking on his own, FaceTimed with the bills on Friday and saw his uh, saw his teammates, his brothers, and told him he loved him and everything. And so, yeah, that's huge. And obviously the support coming from the rest of the country as his toy drive is now up over $8 million. Yeah, so that's it's... one of the good things that I think that's come out of that is now obviously we know that he's okay. He's going to be okay. He's probably going to play in the future if – everything's okay internally with his heart um but yeah it was just cool to see that even in a world that's considered as divided as it is it's still it was still good to see how pretty much every single team from every single sport came together and supported them every single team in the nfl posted something about damar hamlin even teams in other sports were doing things for him um for example when the bill the uh sabers sabers played the caps nothing sabers played all the sabers players came in with mar hamlin shirts and then the caps did a tribute um even this week washington on the 30 yard line mark they're doing they outline the three for demar hamlin so that that's cool to see um that some some good did come out of it and it's obviously amazing to see that he's okay and just a scary hit that's one million thing yeah just to kind of clarify what happened it's not something that you're gonna see every day i mean it no. was just you got hit in the right spot at the right time and it kind of essentially sent a shockwave through his chest that uh resulted in his heart to stop beating so i mean it's something that isn't really gonna happen often it's a one in a million chance because it has to be the perfect spot at the perfect time and unfortunately for him that was it on Monday night. Uh, obviously, everyone knows the threat that you have playing football and many other sports. Chris Pronger was another guy who went through this exact same thing back in 98. 
He took a puck to the chest, had the exact same thing happen to him where he collapsed on the ice and his heart stops beating, but was able to come back and he ended up playing four days later. So I'm hoping we get to see DeMar Hamlin back yeah, on the field for this season, especially since with, he's starting this season now with yeah. Micah Hyde injured. So, I mean, this is like the biggest, this is the biggest season of his career. Even with the NFL, you can see a few freak entries like that. I'm like, uh, do you remember when Phil Simms' son had internal bleeding? I do um, not. Well, it might have been Phil Simms' son, but it was a quarterback for the Bucks who got hit like up under his pads, where his um, kit, yeah, where your ribs and everything is, yeah, yeah, and it was just one of some of those one in a million injuries can happen and it's just a part of the sport but credit to the medical team because um for demar hamlin because they're able to get out on the field quick and resuscitate him so and i heard good for them. i heard some something say earlier like the nfl is so i mean obviously since they know how dangerous of a game it is they have everyone on standby you know trainers uh e- er ambulance everything on site just in case something like this were to happen and they were saying and when they said it, I actually kind of agreed with them. On a football field, on a professional sports field, that is probably the second safest place to have something like that happen behind being in, act- in an actual hospital because they have yeah. everyone on site. I mean, it's very uh, – he was very lucky to have it happen where it did. And obviously the NFL did a good job making sure he was healthy and got him back up and getting his heart beating and everything got him to the hospital just enough in time for him to uh be able to survive this unfortunate event and obviously that led to the cancellation of the game which has now been approved uh i'm going to kind of transition to that uh the cancellation of the game has now been approved so the Bengals and the bills will not be playing at all this season roger goodell has said that with the with that game trying to be made up it's so late in the season that there's really no way that they could pull it off so they're not going to play that game and instead they're going to have the afc championship game at a neutral site if the chiefs and bills or chiefs and Bengals or bills and Bengals play in the afc championship game against each other uh it's it's a lot to go over but essentially What's going to happen is, just from what I read and trying to sum it up the best way I can, what's essentially going to happen is they're going to play out this week and they're going to seed the playoffs accordingly. Now, what I think is going to happen with that is I think the Chiefs are automatically going to be the one seed because they're going to have a... They're going to have that... They're going to win tonight if the game's not already over. They're going to win. Uh, I think it is already. I think, I think you're right. So the game's pretty. The game's over. They won. Uh, so they are 14 and three. The Bills can potentially be 13 and three, maybe uh, 12 and four. But either way, they're still going to be in the top three seeds. And depending on how the Bengals Ravens game uh, comes out, they'll be a top three seed. Which actually, I think is, I saw something that said. They're they're gonna do what I said in our predictions podcast, where they're gonna go off points percentage. So say yes. uh, even if the Bengals were to lose, they're technically still gonna win the division because they're gonna have a better points percentage win than percentage. the Ravens. So they're yeah win percentage. I'm sorry, I've been yeah. hockey's in my brain, I guess. But uh, they're gonna have a better win percentage. So I think the Bengals have now locked up the NFC North with that cancellation, which kind of screws over the Ravens, which is rough, but. 
it, it'll all depend on what happens next week anyway. So that'll be affected there. And then once they get to the AFC Championship, like I said, if any of those three scenarios were to happen, since all three of those teams had a, a potential uh, chance to w get that first seed, I think it's just going to go to the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are going to get that bye week because the Bills and the Bengals already got a bye week in essence because uh, they only played 10 minutes of the game and they didn't have to finish it out. So they already had a bye week. So I think that's how it's going to go on. They're going to have a neutral site for the AFC Championship game as long as you know there's no random games going on in there, uh, random two teams getting in there. And that is going to be how that all plays out. Uh, so AFC little scrambled up now, a little confusing. Uh, I didn't get to, I was reading it and I was getting a little confused by all the scenarios, but that is essentially what I took it as and I think the easiest way to explain it. So that's what's gonna happen for the AFC playoffs. So they, they're not moving anything back, they're canceling the game and a potential neutral site for the AFC championship. So like we said, just to close that out, Prayers up for DeMar Hamlin and his family and that he can hopefully get back to the field soon as he's having a career year uh, with Micah Hyde being injured and living out his dream. So uh, I really hope he's comes back to the field because that's something that's even if you do, you know, he won that. I mean, he won that battle. And even if he does come back to the field, that's still kind of a scary thing like, oh, I just died on the field. Like it's so it's something that's going to be hard on him mentally, too. Yeah, that has to be in his head, but hopefully he's able to overcome that. There's no like residual health concerns. And uh, on the AFC Championship thing, I think that's it's very likely that it's going to be at a neutral site. They, they already approved it. It's already been approved. Yeah, no, so. Meaning that oh, I think just the teams that are going to get there. Yeah, I think those combination of the teams are going to get into it because in the AFC, who's going to be a real challenge? To those three teams, I. I don't know. Barring, barring any like major upsets, I can see it easy being a combination of one of those three teams. And if it is, what is the neutral site going to be? I don't think they've determined that yet. I think that's still up for up for debate. Uh, but just for like the heck of it, they should just move it to the crappiest stadium in the league. Put it at FedEx. <laughs> I think. <laughs> <We need it. laughs> I think they'll probably base it off of like who's in there and try to choose something in the middle so neither team is traveling too well, they're far they're just gonna i i believe they're gonna choose just one of the, like the um like the really new stadiums like i think it it could be at vegas where's the um, uh where's the super bowl this season um, oh it's at sofi yes i i believe it's at sofi so maybe they choose something out closer to los angeles yeah um, oh wait no because so they have the two-week break so it won't really matter well, yeah, I, I can see, I can see it being at Vegas in terms of I think it, it, the gate would be huge. Obviously, Vegas is a huge, very advanced stadium, so that's my guess as to where it's going to be. Uh, but yeah, that is the news on that. Uh, so AFC kind of in a jumble right now, but moving on to the NFC and uh, both all these games now affecting the playoff picture. Let's start with the Washington game where uh, Washington has now been eliminated from the playoffs with their loss and i believe a green bay win that helped the elimination mm -hmm. of the commanders last week and before i talk about the whole ron rivera thing i think that's the biggest looming thing i think we're going to talk about um carson wentz i mean i'm not 
understood maybe based off of like him personally in terms of just the pure talent he has he's a better thrower and all that yada yada but you need to look at context because that contributes a lot more as well the team just simply played better with heineke and it, that's it's a proven fact there's no other way to dispute that and yet he just did not play good he threw three really bad interceptions robinson was able to get going because he's a beast not because he had the best block and he only averaged 3.6 um per per carry but our our protection schemes overall were just bad passing and running so that was a failure there offense was just awful and the defense played bad too, but I I don't really blame them because they've been bailing us out pretty much the entire season, and we can't expect them to do that every single week. Um, there's bound to be a few weeks where something like this happens, where they just don't scheme right, they can't get anything going or whatever, and your offense has to be there to pick up the slack. And that just simply wasn't the case. You see that with all great teams um, at moments in the year they're able to pull their slack like the reason why the 85 bears were able to be as successful as they were is because their offense was able to not exactly equal the defense but pull their weight enough and that's what you need sometimes and just a really bad way to end the season because rivera didn't even know we could be eliminated and i understand he was going in with a winning mentality but you're a multi billion dollar franchise you need to have people who know where you are at every single point in the season and especially when you're in a play, like a very close playoff battle towards the end of the season you need to understand all the different scenarios that can happen the complete failure by the organization on there and um another thing it's looking like scott turner could be fired because um Rivera has made a few comments about it and they were quite vague. And then the players, it's come out that they're very frustrated with the offensive play calling. That's a confirmed thing that they've been saying. So I think it's very likely that he's going to be fired, which I think is a very good move because the reason why Scott Turner has a job, in my opinion, is because his father was a good coach. That's the genuine reason I believe it. He just what track record does he have to prove that he deserves to have a job with us next year? Um, if we're looking at it objectively, we should have a top five wide receiver core in the league. There's very few wide receiver cores that have a better top three than us. I mean, it's a simple fact. And yet, even like even with our crappy quarterback play, it our offense still should be a little bit better, but I still... I think it's partly hindered by Scott Turner and I'm going to be glad when he's gone. And Ron Rivera, it depends on how the owner thing plays out because if the team sold, then we'll get a new head coach. But if that's delayed a little bit, nobody's going to want to come in for a year because once um, the team is inevitably sold, um, then the like they're cleaning house. So I think coaches will know that it'll be kind of like a mercenary job. You're there for a year, then you're gone. So yeah, just a very disappointing way to end the season and going skipping on into next week. If this is the end of Snyder's tenure, then I think it'll be very kind of poetic because it's going to be one of the least attended games um, because we're playing the Cowboys and everybody's lost faith in this team. And um, in 2000, the Washington Redskins had the best attendance in the league. By stats, the best attendance in the league, even in 2000 when we weren't that good. Now forward, 
we have the worst attendance in the league, and I just think that this last game, if it is the end of the Snyder era, will sum up this whole parade of crap very it'll represent it very well i think uh if it is the end of the snyder era i think just the whole ron rivera thing i think he's gonna whoever the new owner is i think he's gonna come in and clean house i mean he's gonna want i think he's gonna want his people he's gonna come in he's gonna want to do everything under his rule i mean you look at I, i don't know much about many other owners i know the dallas i know jerry jones is very involved with his team and uh just because i watch the eagles i know i can't jeffrey Lurie. i couldn't think of his name jeffrey Lurie is very involved with the eagles he's very involved with their not not necessarily like their play calling but he wants them to be a passing team he's involved with the decision making with the draft and the signings while yes he's not the guy who does it he is there kind of on Howie Roseman's shoulders saying like, hey, I kind of want to do this. You do you, but I kind of like he'll push yeah, him he, in a direction. Yeah. Um. And Snyder tried to do that. But what he he was the end all be all voice. And that was a hindrance to our team, because back when Gruden was the coach, he did not want to draft Dwayne Haskins. He want and he wanted to resign Kirk Cousins because he wanted that for not only his job, but he felt like it was the right move for the team. But um, Dan Schneider came in and said, no, um, it just, I think it's very worrying. I don't want to have another owner who tries to be like the main decision maker when it comes to the football stuff. Um, Because I think if you look at the best owners in the league, you're Robert Kraft's, they know their place. They're PR guys. They aren't football guys, and they know enough to hire the proper football guys, and that's how I think you properly run a franchise. And I, I think Jeffrey Lurie is probably one of the better owners in the league. He's not – like, yes, like I said, he's a little involved, but he knows that – I mean, we've seen what Howie Roseman has done year in, year out. Yeah. Yes, he Howie under- Roseman – He understands enough to let the football guys do their job. And while Howie Roseman has his years where he's not the greatest – I mean, look at what he's done this season. This season, how yeah. he got AJ Brown from the Titans, who knows? I mean, it's he's very he's very good at what he does. And so, while Jeffrey Lurie wants to kind of put his voice in, he knows that he's not going to be the end all say all. And I don't think he wants yeah, that. that. That's a good thing. And he he has a proper GM, unlike Washington. Um, currently, we do not have a proper GM. Bruce Allen, um, he was too buddy buddy with Dan Schneider and. It's good to have a good relationship with the owner, but I don't think they should be best friends because I still think there needs to be a little bit of business in that relationship. So, yeah. Uh, But going on next week, like you said, you kind of alluded there. You guys are starting Sam Howell next week against the Cowboys. I mean, that's the probably the only reason I'll watch. But other than that, I mean, there's not much interest in the game and there won't be for a lot of commanders fans i think the attendance is probably going to be there'll be a lot of eagles fans watching <laughs> y- yeah there'll be a lot of there'll probably be more eagles fans watching if it's, than i was gonna say for what it's worth i'm rooting for washington to win this week Woohoo! i'm also I mean, rooting for arizona to beat san fran i'm rooting for washington just because i want to see sam howell do good but other than that this game means literally nothing and other commanders fans understand that so yeah, I think there's very little interest at this point. People are tired of it. Um, 
I think they, I think the majority of people want um, Rivera gone. We like Rivera. We think he's a good guy, good leader of men, but we just think that the game has passed him by. He's made some really questionable calls um, down the stretch when it comes to crunch time with time management. So yeah, I, I think that this could possibly be the end of the tenure for Ron Rivera if the team is sold. If it isn't, then that's a completely different thing, and I think it'll... I think it would be pushed back to the season after that for the sale. Uh, going over to the Eagles game, not a great game. Not one that is one that anyone wants to talk about if you're an Eagles fan. Uh, ult- just a terrible game all around. Gardner Minshew played terribly too. I am so curious as to what the drop-off was between the Cowboys game and the Saints game because the Cowboys game... He was playing out of his mind. He went, I don't remember his, I'm pulling up the game now actually for the Cowboys game, but he had 350 yards. He had two touchdowns, two picks. He played great uh, and all that on 24 for 40 completions. So about 60-ish percent completion percentage, uh, two and two interception touchdown. He played well against the Cowboys. I don't think there's any question, but in the Saints game, they didn't have a first down until 30 seconds left in the first half. Not a way to win. They needed to run the ball more, in my opinion. I mean, that's not something the Eagles want to do. But, I mean, still, like you you said in our predictions, Miles Sanders was putting some – was yeah. giving them some dents in their running. Uh, but in this game, Gardner Minshew only won 18 for 32, 274 yards, touchdown interception. And it sounds better, but a lot of those yards came – uh, a good, matter. yeah, a good seventy-eight of those yards came off of one pass to AJ Brown, and ultimately the the pick was the end-all, be-all for the game because that was with five minutes left. He looked directly at AJ Brown. Marshawn Lattimore just sat on the route because it was like a one-step look back at the quarterback, and Marshawn Lattimore sat on the route because he didn't need he had help over top and in the middle, so he had nothing to do. He was the flat guy. And he read his eyes, went up, picked, pick sixed it. I mean, there was that was the end of the game right there because that made it a ten point game. So that pick was detrimental. They didn't produce any offense until the second half. The defense was struggling in the first half, and it almost looks like Jonathan Gannon is doing what the Bengals defensive coordinator did last year. If you remember last year, the Bengals gave up a lot of points in the first half, but then shut down a team in the second half. And so basically, what he would do is. He would run one defense in the first half and then come out in the second half and run a totally different defense. And it threw teams off. That's how they beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. He came out in a zone defense and then switched it during the first half and it confused Patrick Mahomes. And, I mean, so last last week that's what they did. They did that against the Cowboys. It's They're switching their defenses and it's kind of like, yo, you need to run this defense the entire game, especially come to the playoffs, when you don't have that time to kind of let teams score especially when you're playing higher scoring offenses than the saints who have Andy Dalton at quarterback. So, and with um, the thing you said about offenses that they wanted to pass. Um, I think that's possibly very detrimental because I think you need to take the game as it comes to you. Sometimes you need to I agree. look at how things are going and readjust. You should have saw that miles Sanders was averaging five yards a carry and you need to feed into that and it's not like the game was completely out of reach where you need to run this high explosive offense to try and catch up 
you guys could have afforded to give run the ball more and, and like really start pounding out the yards, then that'll set up the pass game. And I just think that's something you failed to do. And I think that's something you'll need to do come playoff time because you can't be just solely focused on one game plan. You need to sometimes need to be able to adjust. And I mean, you saw a lot. It was like they on in their, like I said, three and out all the way until 30 seconds left in the second quarter, they would go, you know, first down, he gets sacked. So now it's second and 15. You throw an incompletion, and now it's third and long, so you have to pass the ball in order to try to get a first down. Yeah, you, you should you throw try and run on the first and second yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. They, it was just they were digging themselves in holes come when they had the ball, and it was something that they couldn't get out of. And I think that's what killed them there. The defense in the second half gave them, gave them a chance to win. I mean, the defense yeah. came out. They had another six-sack game. Brandon Graham now has 11 sacks, which makes the Eagles the first team in NFL history to have four defensive line, four players with at least double, 10 sacks on the same team. So I believe it's Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, and maybe Javon Hargrave or Fletcher Cox. I will double check that right now. But that's a pretty impressive stack considering like the great defensive lines we've seen over the years, whether it's the purple people eaters or the steel curtain. I'm surprised that and there never happened before. I think they're only I may be off by one or two sacks, but I believe they're only four sacks behind the eighty five Bears for the most sacks in a single season by a team. So they're they're coming up now. You say that it's now a 17 game season. You know, it's yeah. And people the, are going to put um, an asterisk on it, but I mean, and the penalty calling's different. So it, it's off. It's always going to be hard to adjust for errors. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's different, there's things that people are going to say, but uh, I think that 85 bears defense, the, the amount of sacks that they got in the type of game that they were playing far more impressive because there wasn't as much passing. Yeah. Uh, the passing was a lot rare and that that team was just a beast defensively but their achilles heel was their offense you saw in 1986 when they didn't have an offense they got killed by well they got beaten by us in the 86 playoffs uh so for the sacks hassan reddick has 16 which jonathan gannon came out and said if i hadn't been dropping him back in coverage he'd probably have 25 sacks uh but hassan reddick has 16 javon hargrave has 11 Brandon Graham has 11 and Josh Sweat has 11. And That's if, very impressive. if Fletcher Cox decides to just eat this week, he could still get 10. He needs three sacks this week, so highly unlikely, but uh, he could still potentially get up there too, which would be insanely impressive. But uh, yeah, Eagles, Eagles are doing really good on the sack front. Like I said, defense gave him a chance and it's just, they couldn't, the offense couldn't produce anything to help the defense, and that's ultimately why they lost. They didn't lose because, you know, they played well and the other team just outplayed them. They played terribly, and all the Saints had to do was produce some offense, and they won the game. There was no other reason they lost. If you look at all the games that the Eagles have lost, they've all shot themselves in the foot. The Washington game, they turned the ball over three times, and Washington was scoring on those short fields. The Dallas game. They turned the ball over four times. Dallas scored on the short field. And then against the Saints, they couldn't produce any offense. And they got they kept on getting stopped by the Saints. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some of those, they had a lot of players out, but you can't entirely blame that on injury. So uh, they had, 
a lot of they all their games they've been shooting themselves in the foot. So if they can learn to, you know, control their mistakes and control the controllable, they should be able to waltz to the Super Bowl if they were to actually try. And luckily, just I mean, advancing into next week, uh, they should. Gardner Johnson and Robert Quinn have both been activated into the 21-day window off of IR, which means they could potentially be back this season. Jalen Hurts is uh, pretty much a lock to play this week against the Giants, and Lane Johnson, depending on if we get this first-round bye or not, could be back for the first playoff game, and so could Josh Sweat. So we should be getting a lot of our, our players back, and Avante Maddox, they didn't put him on IR, which means they think he could get back before the Super Bowl or the championship game. Because if he would have been out, if they would have put him on IR, he would have missed week 17, week 18, the divisional and the championship game. So he wouldn't have been back until the Super Bowl because it's four games, not four weeks. So yeah. um, they think that he could potentially be back before the Super Bowl too. So we could be getting a lot of our players back come in the coming weeks. Yeah. And I think this is an important week for you guys. Um, I think Aside from the fact that it holds playoff. Yeah, other than that, I think it's important for you guys to get some of your mojo back because if you were to go into the playoffs, um, you wouldn't have that first run by and you'd be going into the playoffs with a three-game losing streak and that's not ideal for a team. So I think it's very important you win this to get some of your mojo back, get some of your momentum back, um, and obviously get that first round by so all your players can heal up and you're as healthy as you can be for that first playoff Yeah, I, I have never wanted a first round by more than right now. And it's, I mean, if our if our team was healthy, I wouldn't care as much. But because yeah, when our team's healthy, you've seen they play well, but they're not healthy, and that's the issue. Yeah. So I we need that first round by in order to get some of those players back. Uh, so this coming week, they play the Giants. Giants have nothing to play for. They are locked in that sixth seed. They are locked in to essentially playing the Vikings, depending on how this week goes, between the 49ers and the Cardinals. And I like that matchup for the Giants. Uh, so, the yeah, and they played them earlier this season, and actually a couple of weeks ago, and the Vikings won off of a game-winning field goal, 61-yarder at that. I, I like it because the Giants, they have good defense. Um, they can really control time of possession if they really need to, and... Daniel Jones these past few weeks has really come out and shown that he can put on good performances when he needs to. So I think that has the possibility of an upset. So Eagles, Giants, I mean, I think they should win this. I don't think the Giants are going to play their starters. Yeah, they, which, they will win. With Jalen Hurts coming back, I mean, he was throwing last week, so it's not like they're rushing him back. Uh, so he should be just about fully healthy. They should win this week. The only reason I could think that they will start their starters is to spite them from two years ago when the Eagles lot sold the game against um, the yeah. the Washington well, football team. I, I said this on our predictions video. I think Giants fans needed to shut up a little bit there because they put their fate, like their destiny in another team, and they had six wins that year. So yeah, that's down. why you that's why you never uh you want you never want to worry about someone else. You always want to control your yeah. own destiny. Oh yeah control your own destiny so all the eagles have to do is either win or tie with the giants and they're in the yeah. first they're in the first I seat think, i think you'll win i agree i would have to agree there uh but even if they don't eagles killed them earlier this season and that was on the road they're back in philly this week but with that it's going to close it out for the nfl 
we I, th I believe we covered everything. Anything else from you? That's all I got. All right, so we are going to advance over to the NHL. And just because it's been the same stuff we've been going over, I'm going to start with the Flyers. And actually, I mean, it's not entirely the same because the Flyers at this point are now on a four-game winning streak. Uh, it started just before – actually, I lied. It started just after Christmas. They swept – they went on a California road trip. They swept that – and played Arizona this past week this on Monday and beat them. So they're scoring some goals. They're up on four goals for the past couple of weeks, and they're producing some offense. Travis Konechny, did you see the All-Star votes? No. Kevin Hayes got in over Travis Konechny on the All-Star votes, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Why did Kevin Hayes get in? I mean, it's not like Kevin Hayes is having a bad season, but Travis Konechny is flying right now. There is no reason that Travis Konechny should not have been voted in off the off the get-go. But over the past couple of games, uh, the Flyers just lo barely lost to the Hurricanes 6-5, and then they went on that streak. They beat the Sharks... Four to three, and that was a comeback win. They beat. I think I'm missing a game here on ESPN that I'm looking at, uh, but they beat the Ducks and they beat the the Coyotes, which I'm aware is only three. Unless I did my math wrong and they're missing, they're they didn't win four, but uh, they're on a win streak, and that is the whole point that I'm talking about this because that's something they haven't done this yet this year they had won three games in a row earlier this season but yes the kings they beat the kings on new year's eve so they went san jose kings anaheim they swept california and then came back home played arizona and won six to two all those games they scored at least four goals against something that they haven't been able to do this season travis konechny is on a, a huge i believe a seven-game point streak. So the Flyers' offense as a whole is clicking. Sam Erson, who was filling in for Carter Hart quite a bit because Carter Hart went on IR, he's been playing out of his mind after he had a rough game against the Hurricanes. So right now the team's looking good. They're clicking, and it almost seems like they're trying to just get slightly out of the way from trying to draft Connor Bedard, who had had an amazing World Juniors. It kind of reminds me of what the Eagles did way back in the day. Um, it was the it was going to be the O.J. Simpson year. You guys were the, undoubtedly the worst team in the league, but then you guys decided to win a few games for some reason, and Bills moved in front of you guys. It kind of reminds me of that situation. That's what uh, the Jags just had just had that the other season happen with them. They were gonna they were supposed to pick one, or I guess it was another team who was supposed to pick first. I think it was the Jets. Yeah, it was that season when the Jets drafted yeah. Zach Wilson. The Jets were the, undoubtedly the worst team, and then they won like one or two games, yeah, and the Jags pulled ahead for the first for the first pick. Yeah, but I I don't understand why Konechny's not in because he has forty points in thirty three games. Uh, Hayes has thirty five and thirty eight. So I I'm not. And sure Kevin Hayes has been benched for two third periods and a game, and it's not like he was hurt. It's a healthy scratch. So. He is having something go on with John Tortorella. They're not on the same page at some point, which 
they're going to need to figure out because Kevin Hayes is kind of locked into a contract for a bit. It's not yeah. an easy one to load off. So they need to figure that out. But I don't – I mean, All-Star All Star is kind of a, a popularity contest to begin with, and I don't think Travis Konechny is the most popular flyer, but definitely the most skilled and should be the one going over Kevin Hayes. But uh, Carter Hart was activated off IR, so he should be coming back any day now to play again. And Sam, er they're now at a struggle with Sam Erson and Felix Sandstrom on who's going to be that backup. Their issue there is Felix Sandstrom is waiver eligible. Samuel Erson is not, but Sam Erson is playing than Felix better than Felix Sandstrom was. But on Felix Sandstrom's defense, he hasn't played. He's played like one game in the past like month. They have not been using Felix Sandstrom a lot. So they've got a little bit of a goalie controversy there, but in a good way because it looks like one of these guys are going to be able to be Carter Hart's backup for quite a while. They're not in a starting role that they want a starting role because they're good. It's They're in a situation where they could play a couple games here and there and be happy behind Carter Hart, who is definitely the number one. But other than that, I mean, nothing more going on with the Flyers uh, Cam Atkinson is out for the rest of the season, which I believe I mentioned last week. So nothing entirely new coming from the Flyers' end. Yeah, so going on to the Caps, more good news um, compared to what was happening early in the season. Um, I still agree with some of the things I said earlier in the season. I do think that this team is possibly coming to an end, and I think some changes need to be made. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the positives. Um uh, we beat the Canadians 9-2, we lost to the Sabres 5-4 in overtime, and we that game, we just ran into a hot Tage Thompson. He had a hat trick along with a six Panorama assist, so there was nothing I, I think we can really do in that game. Tage Thompson was just playing out of his mind, um, and he's turning into one of my favorite players to watch. He's so fun. He's a big, he's a big dude, but he's fast-skilled. So anyway, um, we beat the Jackets six two, and yesterday it was our first um, regular loss in over like twenty something games, I believe, or is twenty something days. It was our first um, regulation loss. We lost to the Predators three and three to two. But um, more good news: Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson are playing their first games of the season tomorrow against the Blue Jackets. So that's huge. Um, and considering how hot we've been in the last. I'd say month or so we're up to the fourth in the Metro and those two guys could give us a real big boost um, with getting Backstrom and Wilson back. And because um, Backstrom back is back, Ryan Strom is going to be moved to the wing. So he's going to be our utility guy. So we got some, some, some things are starting to finally look up for us. And Alex Ovechkin obviously was elected to the uh, all-star game. If he'll play it, who knows, because he typically, well, in the past few years, he likes to treat it as kind of a rest week, but he's definitely deserving. In 42 games, he has 29 goals, 19 assists, and 48 points. So another ridiculous season by Alex Ovechkin. You said 29 goals, right? Yep. Yeah, that's he's like insane. He's fourth, I believe, in the NHL. He's Angles. fourth or third. I know Tage is above him, um, and maybe one or two other people. Uh yeah, at this rate, Ovi's going to catch 
Gretzky in no time. Next season. Like, possibly next season. Yeah, because we're not even at the halfway mark. And he's already I mean, got 20. I think we just reached it. Most teams have just reached the halfway point. Well, at least we did. We're at 42 games. Oh, okay. I don't think the Flyers have reached it yet, then. I don't... Yeah, we're only at 39 games. We have two more games before we hit the halfway point. Yeah, so he's possibly... He's on pace. So he's on pace on 60 goals, essentially. Yeah, very close to 60. He's third in goals behind Tage Thompson and Connor McDavid. And he's 37. Yeah, that's impressive and... And anyway. the goals he's scoring are just ridiculous. He and he's still money from his office. Of course, it's automatic just from that that dot. Uh, but it's really all that's going on in the NHL. Did you see any other surprises on the NHL All Star? Who who um, got voted for the Sabers? Was it Tage Thompson? It should. I believe be. it was. If it isn't, that's a travesty. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, they still have a couple votes to put in. Yeah, so def- he should definitely go in because he's he's having a ridiculous it's, season. It's, yeah, it's Tage Thompson for the Sabers. Yeah. Uh, I don't really see anything else that's surprising. Mitch Marner's having a really good season with the with the Maple Leafs, but other than that, nothing too surprising igor is in linus allmark for the bruins is in jack hughes gets his first nod towards a towards an all-star so it's i'm i'm interested to i always like the nhl all-star game it's it's definitely seems a little bit more fun than the nfl uh pro bowl they they're they have the games always and then just the three-on-three format is such a better way to have a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, an All-Star game, however you want to call it. It's such a more fun way to have it. So I'm interested to see yeah. how the NFL does their Pro Bowl because this is the first and season that they're changing with it. With hockey, I always enjoy their skills competition. You have the fastest skater. You have the shooting challenges. And obviously the main attraction, I'd say, is the hardest shot competition. Zendano Chara with the fastest, 108.8. Yep, and... Uh, utterly ridiculous i don't think that's going to be matched for a long while i believe it'll get matched quicker than you think because with the technology coming in sticks i think it could get matched relatively quicker than you think maybe but it took forever to char for char to break al ifrady's record of he was like 105 i was gonna say i thought it was 104 it was around there all right and i believe that's really it's for the NHL, unless you have anything else you wanted to add. That's that's all I got. All right, and just one last thing to put in is the Phillies trade the Matt Veerling and Nick Maton, who were both a not position. They were position players, but they weren't big name position players. They were bench players, really, who came in here and there. And honestly, I think this trade helps Brandon Marsh too because I believe he's going to be playing a lot more center field now with those two gone. But they trade them to Detroit for Gregory Soto and Kobe Clemens. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good trade for you guys because um, 
Gregory Soto, if you don't know, he's a very good relief pitcher. He's been an all-star the past two two years, so I think that's a very good pickup for you guys, and I think he's um, really going to be able to perform a lot better with the Phillies than he is in Detroit because if you look at his stats in Detroit, um, it, they're not a, like super-duper impressive. But-